Shalom, everybody, and greetings in the wonderful name of Yeshua here from uh, Israel. I'm actually not in Jerusalem at the moment, but I'm coming to you from the beautiful city of uh, Netanya. Uh, I'm here actually on a special mission. I might uh, tell you later about what it is, but I'm very delighted to come here from Netanya, from the land of Israel, with a spe special subject, and this is how it did the early church relate to Israel? Some people, um, they come to us that they say that, well, this is an uh, uh, invention of Christian Zionists of our days, that they are the ones who invented the whole concept and idea of supporting Israel. And what I want to do today to show you that uh, this was by no means an invention of the uh, movement uh, that was established the last few hundred years, but it is something that is ingrained in the Bible from the very, very beginning. So uh, before we start this uh, webinar, I want to greet everybody. If you want to let us know from where you are joining in, I see um, there's people from Michigan in the United States, and um, uh, it's great to see you all from around the world um joining for this particular uh, webinar today um we had a, a very sad uh, situation just uh, uh, a day ago where it was a, a car a ramming attack on israelis in the city of uh, tel aviv and uh, a number of people who were very severely injured so please keep praying for israel israel needs our prayer and uh, in the meantime, um, the demonstrations in Israel, they keep going on. Every Shabbat people are out in big troves and they are demonstrating uh, in regards to the traditional reform that is going on right now in Israel. And Israel continu continues to uh, need your prayer and your support. And that's what it is all about. But before we go into the word of God, let me open uh, the, the webinar today with a, a word of prayer. And, uh, and let's dedicate this time together uh, to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your presence. And wherever people are joining us today, wherever people are tuning into this special webinar, I ask you that the spirit of revelation will come upon them, that your world will speak for itself, that your world, world will not only give us more information and knowledge about uh, the times of the Bible, but Father, that it will become a Rema world for each one of us, that we understand what your spirit has to say to us. In the wonderful and in the powerful name of Yeshua, we pray, and uh, wherever you are, we all say amen to that. And I do see people are joining in. Uh, I, I see here John Malaga from the city of London. Um, uh, and I see here uh, Guy Thompson uh, from uh, the, the state of Maine. We have uh, people from uh, uh, Toronto in Canada, uh, Sharon, Southern California, uh, we have uh, Peter from Frankfurt, herzlich willkommen, and of course uh, uh, we have from France, uh, Giselle, and from Southern California again, uh, Kelly Barton, it must be early in the morning for you guys, so thank you so much for joining in, people from the UK, and then another of couple of states uh, from the US, and even I see here uh, Linda all the way from Australia, it's good to see you all on this webinar. So the, the whole question of support for Israel 
um, I want to start with uh, uh, the, the the fact or the information that Christian support of Israel has become a very powerful force here in Israel. It's really become a uh, a game changer for many projects uh, when it comes to Aliyah every year here in Israel, um, a big chunk of the Aliyah flights, of the flights that bring Jewish people back to their homeland are coming, are being financed uh, by evangelical Christians from around the world. The numbers there are anywhere between 10 to 30 percent of all those flights are covered by evangelical Christians. I know it's much more than 10% because this is usually many years uh, uh, the Christian embassy had a, a support for around 10% of all the Aliyah work that of course coming in. Uh, we, we supported that through the Jewish agency and other organizations. Um, there is of course a lot of projects being supported with KKL, the tree planting organization in Israel, many forests of uh, probably millions of trees planted by Christians. I know hospitals where entire departments are being sponsored by churches in Switzerland and in the United States. So Christian support really means a lot to Israel to such a degree that we heard it so many times by Prime Minister uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, where he says that evangelical Christians they have become the most important strategic partner for Israel around the world. But the big question is, of course, that we might all ask ourselves, um, this whole notion, this whole concept of supporting Israel to uh, stand with the state of Israel, also in a financial way, is this really something that only emerged? Somebody told me, oh, this is an invention of American Christians. Or some said, well, this is something that was invented by Christian Zionists. What I want to prove to you today that uh, the support for Israel in particular for Jerusalem is as old as the church itself. Unfortunately, we also will see that very quickly the church gave up on that ancient practice and tradition. But in the apostolic times, that means when the 12 disciples of uh, Jesus, when Paul was uh, starting churches, all those churches that have been established, they were all admonished to stand with Israel. And we will have a look at this today. The very first time in the Bible, and I'm speaking here now on the New Testament, where uh, we know that churches were standing with Israel, we can find that in Acts chapter 20, uh, Acts chapter 11, verse 27. Acts chapter 11, verse 27. Um, what was taking place is that there was a revival in the city of Antioch. Antioch. Um, uh, Stephen and a number of the other people from Jerusalem, they went to Antioch to see what God is doing there. And there was a powerful move of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 27, we read the following. Now in those days, that's Acts eleven twenty-seven. Now in those days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Now Antioch, that's uh, just to remind you, uh, this is the city that was, um, I think, half a year ago, one year ago, in the news. I think, yeah, no, it was uh, at the end of last year with this massive earthquake uh, that was taking place. 
wiping out literally the entire city of Antioch, that very city where we are reading there. I had the privilege some 30, 32 years ago, uh, we were on a Bible smuggling trip to Turkey and to Syria at that time. And uh, I could visit the catacombs of the original church where they said the first church in Antioch was meeting. So this is the church the Bible is speaking about. Now, in those days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus, he stood up and he foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. And this took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. And it's quite remarkable. First of all, there were um, an amazing prophetic gifting on the early church. Uh, they, there were prophets coming over. Maybe they had a special conference on uh, the prophetic ministries. Prophet from Jerusalem came over to the city of Antioch, which is, uh, I guess, around 800 kilometers, 1,000 kilometers north of Jerusalem. And um, they were ministering there. And one of them, Agabus by name, he stood up and suddenly the Spirit of God came upon him and foretold a great famine that would not only come over Israel or over the area of Antioch, uh, which was... Uh, uh, which is today the country of Turkey, but he says it will be a famine that will go all over the world. And history books actually tell us, like the book of Acts uh, inform us here, that this took place in the day of Claudius, that the times of Claudius' reign over his empire were visited by one famine after the other. There was a almost notorious shortage of bread and grain over the entire empire. And here there was a man of God, a prophet with the name Agabus, and he foretold uh, this um, famine that would come all over the world. Now, what is remarkable here is that um, the church immediately reacted. You know, they not only prayed and asked the Lord for protection for this, and Lord, please help us, but this was a church that made a decision. Excuse me, this was my... Uh, phone ringing here, but the, the church made a decision at that time that uh, um, they want to do something about that. And the first thing that they were doing is that uh, they said here, the disciples determined, this is verse 29, the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And, you know, this is quite amazing. You know, the, the prophet, he said, well, there is a global catastrophe looming. And the thing that the church in Antioch, around 1,000 kilometers away from Israel, the first thing what they did, what they did um, was to tell and to say, we need to do something to help our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. We need to send aid to Judea. And you might wonder, why did the church do something like that? You know, 
people today might say, oh, we need to start a global campaign to alleviate this uh, global famine. But what they did, they was it wasn't a global outrage, but it was reaching squarely the people of Judea, we would say today, the nation of Israel. And the reason they do that, they did that, and this is something what we read from ancient scriptures, from Jewish scriptures, is that back from the time uh, when Jewish people were lived in the diaspora in Babylon, and uh, there was a great diaspora community in the city of Alexandria in Egypt, actually the largest community outside of Israel, comparable to uh, the United States today. And, um, and also there was a sizable community there in Antioch. And all of those communities, it was a common practice to support their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem and in Judea. And this is something I have to tell you that is going on even until today. I remember when my wife and I, we came to Israel, it is uh, 20, more than 29 years ago, almost 30 years ago. Um, I was a student at the Weizmann Institute of Science in Rehovot. And I was quite amazed, almost every laboratory I was there, there was a name of, I, I myself, we were working in the Sherman Laboratory of Nonlinear Optics, that was the, the place where I was working, and uh, my professor was the Sherman professor, so I asked him, I said, who is this Mr. Sherman, after whom it is named, I thought maybe this is a, a scientist I don't know yet, and uh, in honor of him, uh, this laboratory was named, he said, oh no, this is a generous donor in the United States. He actually is supporting to a large degree our research. And I very quickly found out that the Weizmann Institute, and it's similar in the Technion and many other universities, a large part of the finances to run a university is paid by Jews from around the world who are supporting the activities here in the land of Israel. If you happen to be at the Hadassah Hospital in Israel, you will come to a, a huge wall of name where Jews, mainly from the US, but also from France and other countries, they are supporting the Hadassah Hospital and any other country hospital in Israel because they want to stand with the Jewish people. They might live in the diaspora, but they are standing with the, uh, the nation of Israel in a very practical, practical way. And my gut feeling is that the percentage of philanthropic uh, giving towards the state of Israel uh, by far, by far outsizes the philanthropic uh, giving, maybe even among evangelical Christians. I spoke to one of my colleagues, I remember, at the Weizmann Institute and said, this is quite amazing. We don't, I don't have that uh, in Germany, our universities, they are paid by uh, state government. And he was almost marveling at us. He said, really, people don't support that. And uh, he says, for us, especially his father was a business businessman himself, it is a custom in Judaism. It wasn't a religious family, he says, but it's a custom, custom among our people that we give at least 10% of our income. If you are in particular a businessman and uh, uh, more on the wealthy side of life, that at least 10% of what they have, they give to philanthropic reasons. So the same thing was taking place here in the book of Acts. They heard about the crisis. The very first thought they had was, about the people in Israel, we need to help our brothers and sisters back in Judea. And that's the very first time you read about that in the Bible. Now, the second time you, you read about it, um, 
or I should rather say you, you don't read about it, but you should read about it. It actually is the uh, council in the, the Jerusalem Council of the Apostles in Acts chapter 15, just uh, two chapters uh, further or four chapters further, uh, Acts chapter 15, it was the big discussion, what should we do with the Gentiles, should they be allowed to come into the church, uh, do we welcome Gentiles in our congregations, and you know the story very well in Acts chapter 15, at this very first discussion, after elaborations of Peter and Paul and how testifying what the Lord was doing, uh, James got up at the end, he says, this is definitely God working. He says, we have to open the doors for the Jewish, for the Gentile people to join the congregation. And then he said, however, he says, there are some stipulations that we have. They don't have to get circumcised. They don't have to eat kosher like we do. They don't have to keep all those Jewish regulations. But there are a few things that we ask them to do. And here in the, in the, in the, in the accounts of the book of Acts, um, it is only three things that are mentioned. And that is, number one, to abstain from what is sacrificed to idols. Uh, from blood and from what has and from what has been strangled, and also from sexual immorality. However, if you read the book of Galatians, in the book of Galatians chapter two, and if you want to go with me, if you have your Bibles uh, with you, in Galatians chapter two, we find out that actually uh, they gave another stipulation, and they gave this in particular uh, towards the apostle Paul. Because Paul was at that time the man who was really like no other reaching out to Gentile churches around the world. And uh, in Acts chapter 2 verses 9 to 10, um, we read the following. And when James, Acts chapter 2 verses 9 to 10, and when James and Kephas and John, who seemed to be the pillars perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and to me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So in a way, he re, um, uh, re, retells the story of Acts 15, says we were gathering with the apostle and they gave us the hand of fellowship. They said, there's really a call, a grace of God upon your life. You need to continue what you are doing, Paul. You need to go to the Gentiles while we are keeping on ministering to the Jewish people. Verse 10, only they ask us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Only they ask us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Now, if you take this passage to uh, virtually any commentary in the Bible that you find, um, they all, I think 90% of them agree that what Paul was writing here is that the early apostle Kivas, James, and uh, John, they told him, he says, you go out to the Gentiles, but you take care for the poor that are in Jerusalem. And we will see this in a minute, that this is exactly what Paul was doing. But this was the stipulation for the Gentile church that was uh, coming in into this Jewish uh, fellowship of believers, that they can come in, there's no stipulations for them, they don't have to eat kosher, they don't need to get uh, uh, circumcised and keep other uh, Jewish regulations, but they said, please, please make sure that they stand with the needy people here in our land. 
And we will see in a moment that this is something that Paul did with great diligence. And he did this, uh, he was teaching about that in many churches. The point that I want to make before we go to the very next passage, he says, he says, the very thing I was eager to do in this Greek world that is being used here for eagle, it says, I've been very industrious, restless to do that. That means this was something that really was on the heart of Paul. He received this as a commission from the apostle. And I think it was not something new for him. He was doing it himself. He was coming from a community in Tarsus. Probably his father was supporting several causes in Jerusalem. And for him, it was the most natural thing to do to talk to the Gentile churches. Now that you believe in the God of Israel, now that you believe in the God who has given us a Jewish Bible, it's the most natural thing for you also to take care for the needy people in Jerusalem and in Israel. He was eager to do it. Uh, the word that is being used there, I said, is to, give, to, to do it with diligence. It's, that means he made a great effort to do that. And then there's something interesting. If you go back with me to the book of Acts in chapter 24, the book of Acts chapter 24, uh, verse 17, Acts chapter 24, verse 17, uh, we read uh, the following. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present the offering in Jerusalem. Now, it means, you know, there's in Acts chapter 24, that uh, Paul is speaking here, by the way, to Felix. He's the governor of uh, the province there. He had his headquarters in Caesarea. Uh, this is, I see from here, the chimneys of Caesarea from the balcony where I am. This is uh, almost a stone throw away from Netanya. And he was there as a captive with Felix, the governor. His destiny was Rome to speak to Caesar. And he was interrogating him again. And he says, you know, years ago, I went to uh, Jerusalem. And, and what I wanted to do, I wanted to bring alms to the city of Jerusalem. Now, this is quite remarkable that uh, uh, this is at the end of the ministry. There have been now quite a number of years uh, since the Apostle Council, Apostolic Council in Jerusalem. And this is at the end of the book of Acts. From there on, he goes to Rome, and that's where the book of Acts uh, finishes. But the very last visit also, he paid for Jerusalem. He was doing exactly what he was saying. I was bringing alms to Jerusalem. And this was a practice that he was uh, teaching, as we shall say, uh, over to the churches. And we will come to that in a minute. But, um, you know, you might say this is a, a good tradition that they had. Um, Paul, of course, was doing it and he was instructed by the early apostles in Acts chapter 15 to do it. But what was really, was there a scriptural basis for the Jewish people really to do that? And um, supporting Jerusalem and to stand with what God is doing in Jerusalem is as old as uh, um, the Jewish people almost, you can say, as soon as they entered to the land of Israel, it was enshrined in the laws that God gave to Israel uh, through Moses. If you open your Bible in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16, Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16, and this is a passage that is very dear to my heart because it speaks also about uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. 
And it says here three times a year, Deuteronomy 16, verse 16, three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose. And it became the city of Jerusalem. That became the place that God chose to have his footstool to rest upon. At the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, this is uh, Shavuot, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is uh, the Feast of Passover, at the Feast of Shavuot or Pentecost, and uh, the Feast of Booth, that's the Feast of Tabernacles. Three times uh, you shall appear before me. And then it says the following, they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God that he has given you. And what you see here is that from the very beginning, when God gave the law to the Jewish people, when he gave them all the ordinances, uh, you know, how to bring sacrifices, how the tabernacle should look like, what will be inside the tabernacle, how they should deal with each other. God made sure, says, whenever you go up to make pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and, uh, you know, it, the, the Lord made it clear, this will be my appointed city. It's in a way you are paying a visit to the Lord himself. Uh, this is also what the Feast of Tabernacles is all about. I'm not sure if you already made your plans to come uh, to join us at the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, please uh, still do though, but it is actually in a way visiting uh, the city that is called the city of the great king. And God says when you do that, don't come empty-handed into the house of God. Don't come empty-handed for those celebrations. Don't come empty-handed into the temple. And um, this is something that was uh, laying the basis. I could give you quite a number of other laws from the book of Numbers and Leviticus that whenever people came to Jerusalem and to worship God, they also always needed to bring a sacrifice with them when they came to Jerusalem. So this is the first point where you really see there was a tradition being established. Now let's move on to the prophets. And, and this is getting very interesting because uh, not only, of course, the Jewish people kept doing that. We know this from Jewish history that uh, whenever they made pilgrimage to Jerusalem, uh, they brought their gifts and offerings into the temple. But then here it says something very interesting in Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60, and uh, I don't want to read the entire chapters, but let's start maybe uh, from verse 5. Um, Isaiah chapter 60, by the way, it starts, Arise and shine, your light has come, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. There is darkness over the nation, but over you the Lord will rise upon you, and uh, his uh, light will shine upon you. So I believe it's a wonderful uh, passage for our times where we do see darkness in many places around the world increasing. But what we see here in the land of Israel, the Lord is really in a powerful way at work. The Lord is shining over his people. And in that context, he says, then you shall see, verse 5, Isaiah 60, verse 5, uh, then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult. Why? That means there's an excitement in Israel, in Jerusalem, the Lord says, because 
the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. Multitudes of camels shall cover you. The young camels from Midian and Ephah and all those from Sheba, they shall come. They shall bring gold, frankincense. They shall bring good news of the praises of our Lord. All the flocks of Kedars shall be gathered there. And the rams of Nebaot, they shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar. And I will beautiful my beautify my beautiful house. And let me read you also a little bit further down. Uh, verse 9, it continues, the ships of Tarshish will come. Uh, they will bring uh, your children from afar. And uh, then it says in verse 10, foreigners, that means non-Jewish people, they will come and they will build your walls and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have mercy on you. Verse 11, and the people may bring to you the wealth of the nations with their kings led in procession. Now, what the prophet here sees, he says, there will be a time, a time when God will restore uh, Jerusalem. And he says that not, not only the Jewish people will come to Jerusalem with all their sacrificing, appearing before the Lord, not empty-handed, like I told you, supporting many different projects in Israel. But he says there will come a time when they will be joined hand in hand by people from the nations, people from America, people from Europe, people from the United Kingdom, from Australia, from Fiji, wherever you might listen today, uh, there are for sure people from your country that are undergirding what God is doing, even in a financial way here in Israel. And the amazing thing is, this is not something that was invented by Christian Zionists, that I, as I told you, or by American uh, people who are good in fundraising. The word of God tells us that the day will come, it's a prophetic fulfillment, the day will come when all the nations will come, they will come to Jerusalem, to Israel, and the world of the nations will bless the nation of Israel. And that's why the Christian embassy, I, I do this with a, a very pure and clean conscience. That's why I unashamedly all over the world, I ask for support for Israel because by doing so, we are literally fulfilling biblical prophecy. We are undergoing the things that God actually was sharing to the prophets of, of old. And you know, let me add one more thing. What I'm really excited, of course, it speaks about the distant nations, but what we read here, the, the list of nations that I mentioned you, Median, Sheba, Kedar, these are Arab nations. That means we can expect in the years to come a major move of God also among the Arab countries. I, I'm super excited this year. My friend Tom Craig, we talked last week about the Feast of Tabernacles, and Tom was telling me, he says, Jürgen, it could be that we have this year up to 50 people coming from Arab nations to join us at the Feast of Tabernacles. I tell you, we never had so many people coming like that before, but it's exactly here. It shouldn't surprise us because the word of God, say, God says there will come a, a day when they come in great multitudes and they not only come themselves to present them as persons to the Lord, it says they shall come with the gold and frankincense and with the wealth of the nations. And not only that, it also says 
uh, they will come and listen to this. This is quite amazing. Uh, they shall bring good news, the praises of our Lord. And that means they testify what God is doing in Jerusalem. Uh, and that's why this year, the last two years, we actually started that at the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, we make a point to invite the nations of the world, not just to come physically and to fill uh, the arena and join us for the feast, but we have this year worship teams literally from around the world, from as far as the Fiji Islands, from Honduras, from Norway, uh, from uh, South Africa, from everywhere they are come, like the prophet saying, to fill the city of Jerusalem with the praises of the Lord. Isn't that wonderful that what we are seeing today, it already was prophesied by the, uh, by the prophets of old. So what Paul was doing there for them, he was going out to the new found churches in Galatia. And we will see in a minute, he did this in many other places. He basically had the scriptural crown world. Number one, he knew we as Jewish people, we should never come empty-headed to Jerusalem. And secondly, he knew very well the prophet Isaiah. He understood when those Gentile nations, when they will come to Jerusalem, they also will not appear empty-headed. They will come with the wealth of the nations led by the kings. And, and uh, this is something I want to put out to you for prayer today. This is uh, for the first time, we had already a foreshadow of that last year, but it looks like for the first time that this year in the delegations that is coming to the Feast of Tabernacles, there might be actually a number of heads of states from different countries coming. A member of Knesset came to me and said, Jürgen, this is a new day. I hear there are heads of state coming to the Feast of Tabernacles, and they don't come as a political, uh, with political envoys or with a, a political delegation, but they are coming as a private person to worship the Lord in Jerusalem. And that's exactly what the scripture is saying here. The nations will come. They will come with the wealth of the nations and they will bring a an acceptable sacrifice. It says here so beautiful, they will come with acceptance to my altar. And let me put in another plug for the Feast of Tabernacles here. That's why we have also uh, this year at the Feast of Tabernacles, a whole day of prayer. We are still working to expand that to a whole prayer night where you can bring your nation to the Lord, where you can intercede in Jerusalem, because we really believe that it's a window of grace that the Lord is opening at the feast here. It says they will come and they all they will be accepted at the altar of the Lord. That means their prayers will be heard in a very special way. So um, this is the prophetic foreshadow of what we are talking about but now let's uh, see what paul was speaking about to the churches the standard passage of course is a uh, romans chapter 15 uh, romans chapter 15 and here he gives uh, um, us the motivation um, why gentiles also should be doing uh, what the jews are doing um, by supporting israel and standing with jerusalem um, and he said it has a very simple reason, Romans 15, um, I'm starting to read here um, verse 25. At present, Romans 15 verse 25, at present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. And again, that's the same thing that we saw in the book of Acts, going to Jerusalem to bring aid to the saints. 
excuse me, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints of Jerusalem. You remember uh, in Galatians, we read that Kephas, John and James, they asked, please remember the poor. And this is exactly that. We made a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. And they were pleased to do, the, do so. And now listen very carefully why they were giving aid for the poor in Jerusalem. And indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in the material blessings. What Paul is telling us, he says, it's the most natural thing for Gentiles to stand with Israel. Why? Because they received spiritual blessings from the Jewish people. And I want to suggest to you today that everything that defines your faith today, everything that uh, characterizes your relationship with God, with, the, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, you can find it in that book. And guess who was, who was writing that book? It's a Jewish document, Jewish writer giving you uh, the word of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says, he says, so what is the benefit of the Jewish people? Much in every way, he says, because to them, the oracles of God has been committed. And we as Gentile, we have the privilege to read that. Secondly, Jesus was Jewish. Jesus was born to a Jewish mother. He lived in Nazareth. He called Nazareth his hometown. When he moved down to Kfar Nachum, we will be again this year with the feast at the, at the, at the Sea of Galilee. Uh, he called also Kfar Nachum, Capronaum, as his hometown. That was his home place during the time of his ministry. He was walking, crisscrossing this nation, living a Jewish culture. The Bible says, as it was a tradition, he went to the synagogues and he was... Uh, and Israel, and he says, because of that, because we owe our salvation to the Jewish people, Jesus himself said, this woman at the well in John chapter 4, he says, remember salvation is of the Jews. They gave us their Messiah. They gave us the word of God. Uh, they are the focal point of our salvation. Anyway, from there, everything was springing forth. Therefore, it is absolutely natural that we also bless Jerusalem, Israel, the Jewish people with material blessings. And in a way also what Paul was saying, he said, you know, we Jewish people, we anyway do that. Why should the Gentile be excluded? We anyway, we are supporting our motherland, the land of Israel here, the place of Jerusalem where we make all Aliyah to. Why should be the Gentiles who believe in the very same God be exempted to that? He says, you also need to do the same thing because we are debtors to the Jewish people. We have even more reason than the Jewish people to stand with Israel. This passage is telling us. Um, in Romans chapter 11, verse 17, in Romans uh, chapter 11, verse 17, this is, of course, the, um, 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 the, 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 the parable of the olive tree. It says here, if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot were crafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant towards the branches. But remember, if it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. 
in a way, Paul is making the same point here in Romans 11. He says, remember, he says, you are sharing the nourishing sap of this ancient olive tree, of this ancient promises. You are, in a way, crafted in, in this incredible history, lineage of blessing of Israel. You, in Ephesians 2, he says, you have been be partner of the commonwealth of Israel. You should count yourself in, but that means also that the same obligations in regard to Jerusalem, in regard to the Jewish people, also rest upon us as a church. Now, what is quite amazing, um, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, um, you know, sometimes people tell me, oh, Jürgen, we shouldn't speak so much about money or giving. This is not such a biblical subject. Uh, I'm not sure if some of you remember um, uh, the... Uh, um, uh, late Bible teacher David Parson, uh, he once said, he made a, made a statistic, he says, uh, Jesus spoke more about money than probably about many other uh, subjects. And also here, Paul is writing in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verse 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11, if we have sown spiritual things among you, it is also too much that we read material things from among you, now, what Paul is establishing here, and we will go in a minute to Second to Second Corinthians, where there, there will be two entire chapters speaking just about that subject that we speak now about. But Paul is underlining here as a, a spiritual principle, uh, like in a way the, the image also of the olive tree. He says, if you are receiving spiritual blessing, is it too much, he asks, that we reap also material blessings? Now, let me say this is not just true, of course, for Israel. Of course, we are um, um, receiving a spiritual blessing from Israel, but this means also for you in your church, in your congregation, to your pastor, if you receive a spiritual blessing in the places you be, you need to tithe to your local church. That's the place where you are coming from. That's the place where you read week by week by week. Hopefully, you have also prayer meetings and Bible studies during the week. You are being nourished and fed in that congregation and Paul says you should also if you receive spiritual blessing in that place you also should also uh, should serve them in material blessing it's the same principle like what we read in Romans 15 uh, verse 27 if we received spiritual blessings from Israel we need to also bless them in material gifts it's a biblical principle uh, I don't want to add more to that you can also find that in Galatians chapter 6 verse 6 Galatians chapter 6, verse 6, you can write it down. And also Philemon chapter 1, verse 19. Uh, Philemon chapter 1, verse 19, it's quite a remarkable passage. Uh, Paul writes this letter to a friend, Philemon, out of prison. And uh, Peter, uh, Paul is in prison in Ephesus. And, um, and Philemon, um, he was the man who got saved in Christ through the ministry of Paul. And uh, when Paul, when Paul is, uh, is sitting in, in prison in Ephesus, one of the inmates in prison, he starts ministering to him. His name is called Onesimus. And, uh, and he says, so where do you come from? And he mentions to him the city. He says, oh, really? Uh, I know some friends. I was preaching there. I started a fellowship in that city. Do you happen to, uh, by any chance, to, to know a certain gentleman, Philemon? And I just could imagine how to see on the face of this poor little Onesimus 
who was running away from his master. And he said, he, Paul realizes there's something not going all right. And he said, well, this, this feeling, what I have to tell you, this actually is the master I was running away. The story is that this Onesimus got saved wonderfully in the ministry, in the prison ministry of Paul. And, uh, and he said, you know, when you come out of here, you need to go back uh, to your master and you have to serve him. He said, oh, I'm afraid to do that. And I think after some time, Paul really realized that this Onesimus, he's a, a very faithful servant and the Lord really touched his heart. So he was writing a letter of, to Philemon and you can read that. It's a very short chapter to read, read it yourself. He says, guess whom I met here in prison? It's your uh, slave that was running away from you, Onesimus. And then guess what happened? I ministered to Onesimus, to your runaway slave. And the one, the guy got wonderfully saved. And he says, Philemon, I have one request to you. And he puts this into Philemon chapter one. There's only one chapter, uh, verse 19. Philemon verse 19. He says, I have one request to you. He says, this Philemon, this uh, slave that was running away, could you please lend him to me? I really, he wants to help me. He wants to assist my ministry. And I would like to take him out uh, on my ministry trips. And then he says in chapter one, verse 19, he says, I don't have to tell you that you actually owe your salvation, your eternal life to me. And I don't want to bring that up, Paul says. I actually could command it to you uh, because you owe me, because I gave you the eternal life. I led you the way to Jesus. So please allow me to take your servant, Philemon. So it's this principle we speak about that uh, uh, if you receive spiritual blessing from the Lord, we also should always be generous with the people who are serving and ministering to us. That's in particular true for your church, for your pastor where you are at, the people who give you the daily and the weekly food in your congregation. But it is definitely also true for the nation of Israel. And um, the first reason that we, uh, we, we highlighted here why we should do that is that we are spiritual debtors. There is a spiritual principle with that. Secondly, there is also something which we all know, that's the passage that everybody quotes while they are supporting Israel. Genesis 12, verse 3 uh, says, He who blesses you shall be blessed. And of course, that's a principle that is very true. I can testify to that in many, many ways. People around the world testify to that. But let's go to the second book of uh, Corinthians. Second book of Corinthians. And what you find here, and we have to wrap up a little bit fast. I'm, um, I'm talking a little bit too long here. But chapter 8 and chapter 9, both chapters they are dealing with exactly the subject that we are talking right now. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, you know, I'm coming to you, and I'm going to want to take an offering from you back to Jerusalem. And he says, please, you promised me last time. It's a long chapter. You have sh shown great will willingness to, to stand with us and to support us. Uh, please make sure that when I come on the way back to Jerusalem, that there is a generous offering waiting for me that I can take back to the saints in Jerusalem. I want to read chapter 11 to you because there is an important truth to in, in it. Um, uh, let's start reading from verse 10 already. And in this menace, matter, I give, I give my judgment. This is uh, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 10. 
And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you who are a year ago started not only to do this work also, but also you showed desire to do it. So now please finish doing it well so that your readiness in desiring it might be matched also by your completing out what you have done. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not test. For I do not mean that others should be seized on you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their needs, so their, that their abundance may supply your need, and there may be a fairness. Now, what is what Paul is writing there? He says there is one side. He says there is a spiritual readiness, a motivational readiness. Yes, we want to bless Israel. We want to stand with the Jewish people. But Paul says it's one thing to be emotionally ready to do it and understand it in our heart and in our mind. Uh, it needs to be done. The second thing is he says it's also important that we finish doing it that we become practical in doing it. And I want to encourage you, maybe uh, you have never made any donation to Israel. Maybe this is the Lord speaking to you that uh, you heard enough about Israel. You know how the Jewish people blessed us. And now the time has come how you bless them in return by, by doing it. Um, um, let me go to a few other passages uh, there in, in 2 Corinthians uh, Chapter 9, verse 12, we have been just read, uh, re reading that. Now, um, ch chapter 9, verse 12, excuse me. Uh, let's read already from verse 11. If you will be enriched in any other way, to be generous in every way, which uh, through, through us will produce thanksgiving to God, for the ministry of this service is not supplying the needs of the same, but also overflowing in many thanksgiving to the Lord. Now, let me read this to you again. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will, be, will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to the Lord. He says, by you doing that, and I can testify this year, a lot in Israel, by you standing with the saints in Jerusalem, by collecting them, he says, not only will you bless them and they will be, their lives will be changed. They can maybe feed their parents in a better way. They, just uh, the other week, I was uh, at the final school. My, my daughter was, uh, um, for a number of years, all our children were part of a messianic school here in Jerusalem, an outstanding school that is uh, uh, serving the local messianic body um, in, a, in an extraordinary way. We saw the blessings in our, in our own family with our children. At the end, the principal came to me, he says, Jürgen, we, we hope that uh, now after your children are out, uh, that you, the Christian embassy will not stop supporting us. And I assured him, he said, this has nothing to do with our children being at your school. We believe in what we are doing. And he added, he says, you know, already now we have a number of Messianic believers. They would like to send their children to that school. They cannot do it. Can you help us? And what Paul is saying here is that by supporting things like that in Israel, you not only bless the saints, but also I can guarantee you many of those people, they go back to the Lord and say, well, thank you so much 
for this brother in Germany, for this brother in Australia, for this brother in the United Kingdom, that he blessed our lives. Lord, please bless him, he says. It's a double blessing that is being released. Once you, On the one side, you are changing the life of that person, but at the same time, it increases the thanksgiving and the giving glory to God that people here in this land, in particular in Israel, will praise God that God was meeting their needs, that people around the world uh, were thinking uh, about them. And um, I want to encourage you with a, a couple of closing uh, passages um, that uh, I want to read from you. And um, one of them is, um, you know, sometimes I have to say that with um, great care and great, um, uh, be careful what I say, but um, most people who come to me say, Jürgen, we cannot afford supporting Israel anymore. They are people who are coming from wealthy countries because their wealth is cut down a little bit right now and maybe sometimes even significantly in this inflation. And I want to encourage you, this is the case for you, don't cut off your investment or your seat in the kingdom of God. Because I really, like I said, it, I believe it is an investment in eternal purposes here. Um, it is actually here in, in, in chapter 9, he says, uh, uh, I want to read you verse 10, chapter, again, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10, verse 10. He supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. That means in a way you have to see that as you are invest in the kingdom of God, in particular also in Israel, even in times of need, heaven takes notice of that and you can expect a harvest from that. In the book of Genesis, it speaks about Jacob, that he was the man, and about Isaac, excuse me, Isaac, the son of Abraham, he was a man who just inherited the, the authority and legacy after his father died from Abraham. And uh, it says that he moved to the area of Beersheba, and there was a great famine in Beersheba. And then the Bible tells us in that year the, that Isaac was putting out his seed in the time of famine. Some people might have said, you know, this is not really the time to put out seed. We don't know if it's raining. We might use the crane better to feed our families. We don't know if something is coming. And the Bible tells us he put out the seed. He put out the seed in faith, probably prayed a lot about that. He said, Lord, please help our family. And it says at the end of that chapter, and he harvested a hundredfold in that year. And I want to encourage you, even if there are difficult times, uh, please do, do so and continue blessing uh, Israel because the Lord bless you for it. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it says about the Macedonian church. Uh, so I want you to know, brothers, he says, about the grace of God that was being given among the churches in Macedonia. In their severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty, they have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. And uh, he took that money then later on, as we know, to Jerusalem. He says there was extreme poverty, but they overflowed with, gener with generosity. And uh, 
I want to encourage you with a testimony from our church in Bolivia, Apostle Alberto, all over the world I speak with him. I remember him coming to the Feast of Tabernacles from the poorest country of Latin America. And he put down a feast literally at the feet of the apostles in Jerusalem. He brought it to all of us. We had to pray for him. And he says, we put this as seed in a difficult time here in Jerusalem. Uh, please uh, ask the Lord to bless us. To fast forward now more than 15 years, his small church of a few hundred people back then grew today to more than 20,000 members. Even in COVID time, he says, Lord and God was faithful to us. He says, we blessed Israel and the Lord was blessing us. Uh, they had 3,000 people added to their church, even during the time of COVID. And when you ask him, what is the secret of your growth? The very first answer that you see from him is that because we are blessing Jerusalem, the Lord is also blessing us. So even in difficult times, don't give up on your um, on your giving on Jerusalem. And then the last point I want to raise here, and this is uh, the end of our webinar because I see I spoke now almost an hour here. Um, and this is for, in First Corinthians chapter sixteen, and that's a very important piece of information. Now concerning the collection of the saints, First Corinthians chapter sixteen. Now concerning the collection of the saints, as I have directed the churches in Galatia, so also, are, uh, so you also are to do. And now you know what he's saying here. Said what I'm telling you now. I'm not only preaching that to you. I've instructed all the churches in Galatia. Every church I started. That's my doctrine, and it's the following: on the first day of the week, each one of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collection when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you are accredited by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. Now, Paul is very intentional here when it comes to the support of Israel. He says, you know, this is not something that is just a casual thing that you do. Maybe once a year you have an Israel offering in your church. And remember, this is uh, it's not uh, the Christian embassy speaking to you now or an Israel ministry. This is an instruction that Paul gave to the early churches, to the apostolic churches in Jerusalem. He says, I want you every single week to put something aside as much as you are able in order to accumulate it. That when somebody comes from Jerusalem, you don't have to make a quick Israel offering, but you can give him a generous gift back to Jerusalem. You know, my friend Alberto in Bolivia, um, looking very much forward to seeing him again uh, this year in Bolivia and in December, I, God willing, I will be there. And um, I asked him um, a few years ago, you know, as his church grew, also the, the giving to Israel significantly increased, increased uh, in a very high numbers. I, I don't dare to even say that here. And I asked him one day, he says, you know, Alpado, how are you doing? You are a poor country. I don't know how you can collect such a, a big amount of offering. And that's actually when I understood for the first time that principle. He told me, Jürgen, it's very easy. I just do it in the way how the Bible teaches us to do it. So I ask you, so how is the Bible teaching you? He says, I'm setting everything aside every week. Uh, he says, in a very practical way in our church, we have a Shabbat service. 
where we celebrate Shabbat. Every offering on Shabbat goes to Israel, the Sunday offering the keep for the church. And this is he is doing now since more than 15 years. And he is able to bring very generous gifts from a very poor country to Jerusalem. And let me tell you, the Lord is blessing his church. A few years ago, he told me, he says, you know, it's beyond our understanding. Uh, the young kids in our church that grew up in our, when we came for the first time to Jerusalem, they are today lawyers. They are scientists. God is really blessing them in their career. We have some of the top churches in, in our country, in Bolivia, coming to our congregation. The Lord really allows us to prosper and he says i know it is because we are blessing jerusalem and it was i was quite amazed to hear from him that how he said you know i'm doing it the biblical way i do it exactly like paul was teaching not only the church in corinth he says i'm teaching that all over the uh, over Galatia, every single church that he started had the same principle. Once a week, they set something aside and they gave it to Jerusalem. And I want to suggest to you, you know, if this would become a move of the Holy Spirit around the world, I guarantee you life here in Israel would be so much different. People would be taken so much more by notice that people say, oh, this is really true. So much Christians, they care about us. They want to bless us. They want to stand with us. It would have a huge impact here in this land. We could do so much more. Our uh, aid department, you know, the challenge of them is not that we don't find enough problem uh, challenges or uh, projects to support. Most of the time, we have to tell them, sorry, we cannot really help you because there is no there are no funds we already have given what we, what we have you know if churches would do that this would change the life of so many people in israel and they as we have heard they in return would praise the lord and say praise the lord for those gentile churches yes they believe in our messiah and now they are blessing us in return so i hope i could show you that what um, we are doing and many other christian ministries here in the land it's not an invention from us or a money scheme but it's a big biblical principle that the word of god gives us here that the churches that were started at that time uh, they should support israel and i believe we are living in a time and the holy spirit is re-emphasizing that he's putting that back in churches around the world we see this happening in churches in china we see this happening even in churches in africa where out of their great poverty they made an effort to stand with us david parsons just came back from africa not too long ago I think with a gift of around 30 or 40 thousand dollars from a very poor country and he says it was designated they made a point we collected the whole year for that money we want to support aliyah back to israel we want to help the jewish people coming back to israel and i'm getting emotional as you tell you this story but this is not something that is just theory in the bible but it is something that is taking place right in front of our eyes and i want to in particular encourage those nations that are from a, uh, a more blessed nature that uh, you take up this challenge from Bolivia, from Africa, from other countries, and let's have a holy competition here uh, going on to bless Israel and to stand with Israel like never before. Father, I thank you for your word today. I ask you that, uh, like your word says, that this seed of the word of God will fall on the hearts and that it will produce fruits, Father, uh, 30, 60, even 100 fold. Father, we ask you as people listen it also in the YouTube channel, that you make it alive, Father, that it will touch their hearts and that it will bless 
bless their lives in the name of Yeshua. And I have to see if there are some uh, passages here. Good evening, ladies. Some people who are having a question. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of questions. How to convert the Israelis? Uh, if Jesus is God, why didn't he know when the day of judgment would come? Uh, now, these are a bunch of strange questions here. But um, uh, besides that, I don't see any other questions here. But uh, I wish you all um, God's blessing. And uh, we will move on, I believe, if I understood David Parsons correctly. I'm not sure if David is here um, in the attendees. So uh, we might move. Please watch out the news from the embassy for future webinars, because at least in the summer month, we will reduce the frequency uh, of our webinars, because it's also the weeks before the Feast of Tabernacles. That means we cannot come uh, to you so often, and we cannot, uh, uh, we don't have the time to do this webinar um, as the feast is coming closer. But please stay tuned, look at the announcement on our Facebook page or on our website, or if you're joining us also in the Global Prayer Gathering, this will continue because we believe that prayer needs to go on. But uh, uh, we are looking into in the coming weeks to reduce the frequency of the webinars. And after the feast, we will revisit that. So God bless you all. Greetings here from Sunny Netanyahu and uh, Shalom here from Israel.